everybody. Welcome to the NFL Roadshow Special College Football Bowl Game Watch Guide Edition. It's a little lengthy. Uh, Jim Nagy is our guest today, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He has done a marvelous job with that week down in Alabama, one of my favorite weeks on the NFL calendar, certainly the draft calendar, and it's coming up just five weeks away. Anyway, the idea behind today's show is this. We have 19 bowl games set to take place between today and Monday, and I wanted to create a viewer's guide so to speak, for NFL fans who might not have any investment into the games. So full disclosure, that includes me. (laughs) My college football team is not in a bowl game this year. USC, we're going to be in a bowl next year. Anyway, that's a different conversation. I really don't watch that much college ball outside of them. I haven't really in the last decade as I've focused more and more and more on the NFL and kind of figured I needed like one day of the weekend to not focus on football all day long. So that said, I obviously care very much about the 32 NFL teams, and I know that I will be spending a lot of time in the next few months trying to catch up on this year's draft crop. And I figure that some of you are probably in the same boat as me. So maybe we can get started on our scouting this week in a way that makes the bowl games even more fun than they would otherwise be. So we're going to get you a few names for every position group to keep an eye on, plus a few specific guys that Jim thinks that we will be talking about in the months ahead. We've also got the games. If you only have time to make uh, uh, time in your schedule to watch like one or two, these are the ones that you should go watch because they have the most prospects. And remember, Jim spends his whole year scouting this group, so I'm pretty sure that there isn't anyone out there we could have contacted that would be a better person to ask these questions to. So without further ado, here is Jim Nagy. It's time now to break the huddle. Hurry up, let's go! Two on two on two, ready? Ready. Jim, it's so good to see you. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Our continuing to have a wonderful holiday season. The big New Year's coming up this uh, week. I know you probably don't have like massive New Year's plans because they probably revolve around attending bowl games. (laughs) <laughs> no no new year's plans i've just gotten too old for that Lindsay. i got you know totally. i've got a, i've got two teenagers in the house i'm i'm done on new year's eve but yeah merry christmas happy new year all that good stuff to you too yeah we've started celebrating the new york new year's and we live in los angeles like nine o'clock it's new year's everybody go to bed <laughs> um so speaking of the bowl games and taking a look at like how they how they might impact the draft and what we should be keeping our eye on what kind of year is it from a talent standpoint, when we start looking at this year's draft crop, is it a really deep class? Is it position specific? Are there position groups that are much better than they've been in years past? A little, you know, I'm sure that it's always the case, right? That some are better than others. Right. I think, you know, the quarterback, you got to start at quarterback that always kind of drives the bus. Um, I know that's what everyone likes to talk about. And the cool part with this year's draft is there's a lot of intrigue in terms of where these guys will shake out in terms of the order. Um, You know, like last year's group was great. I think going into the spring process, pre-draft process, it was those guys were all positioned in the top 15. Maybe Mac Jones was maybe a little outside that top 15 where he ended up going and he worked his way up into that mix. Um, But this year's group, I mean, and we'll have we could have five of the top six guys here at the Senior Bowl. Matt Corral from Ole Miss um, will, will be the one guy we won't be able to get. Um, because he's not going to be a, a graduate. But right now, like we've got Kenny Pickett from Pitt, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Um, let's see. Um, looking at the board, Malik Willis from Liberty, 
and Carson Strong, a junior from Nevada. Um, and then there's another junior out there who I'm sure a lot, a lot of your listeners might be able to fill in that last blank for us. And then Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, who's, uh, you know, he's had an unbelievable year breaking a bunch of Joe Burrows records at Western Kentucky. So um, I think where the difference from last year, this group is really kind of more in the late first, early second round area. And now it's just like, how hard, how far can they climb? And where is that, where is that order going to shake out, uh, you know, during senior bowl week and, and through April? Well, because it, it always seems like the quarterbacks are going to climb because there's so many quarterback needy teams. And so people are going to jump up and get them out of fear of for not getting them. I don't know if strategically that's the best way to approach a draft, but um, so we, we're seeing them go m- maybe more in the second. Are you convinced that we're going to see guys go much closer to the top? Or do you think that they will climb in this process? Or do you think that maybe this is the year where they kind of stay where they are? Yeah, I think they could climb just because there is uncertainty at the top. You asked about the overall draft. I mean, I I do think it's a good draft. I I think it's a deep draft, especially on day three, um, because we had so many COVID opt, you know, opting to return using that extra year of NCAA eligibility this year. So, for example, going into our fall process this year, we had 700 names on our board, which compared to the previous three years, that number was about 500. So we were going into the fall with about 200 additional names, you know, um, for our game. So I think that speaks to the depth of the draft. And yeah, is with the quarterback class, I do think those guys could move up. Is that because the the number of names on the board being more than usual? Is that because of the weirdness of last year and the condensed season and the lack of opportunity to see those guys? Do you feel like um, it was harder to know who to scout in the beginning? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there were some guys that were completely off the radar this year, you know, cause they, cause they didn't play a season last year or, or some of the lower level guys who just had their yeah. seasons canceled. Um, so what it was, was a lot of guys, um, during last year's, you know, at this time last year, last December and January, when a lot of players were trying to figure out, do I enter the draft? Do I come back? They were getting a lot of probably mid to late day three feedback and rather than, or priority free agent feedback. And rather than enter last year's draft, let's go back for another year and try to attack this thing and improve. So I really think like, I don't think it's affected the high end numbers, the first, second, third round. Um, I really think it's beefed up that day three area. I think you're going to get a lot of good players. Like fast forward a year from now, I think there's going to be a lot of really good fifth, sixth round picks playing in the NFL next year at this time. Yeah, I, I did a couple of games this year from a sideline standpoint for UConn and New Mexico State guys that didn't play last year. And that was one of the stories when talking to them about some of their like pro prospects, it was like this guy didn't get a chance to play last year. This year means so much, right? Just because every rep matters in terms of trying to uh, get at- the attention of scouts. Cause this is, this is the shot that they had. Um, uh, how, do you feel like you had a lot more people pop this year that weren't on your radar than you typically do? Yeah, I think the change there, Lindsay, would be um, we see we saw a lot of guys make big improvements this year because I think they were impacted by COVID last year. And and where we really saw it was in the trenches. I think the big guys on both sides of the ball um, were, were probably hit more by the COVID impacts than a lot of some of the skill guys. At least that's how it seemed to play out for us. Um, we saw a lot of the big guys, you know, significantly improve in their tape this year. 
Um, so yeah, that was a really interesting aspect of this year's process. Do you feel like you were able to get a good grasp on it all by the end of the season, or is it more likely in a year like this after a year, like the one that we saw last year that players will fly under the radar? No, I think we have a good grasp on it. I think that's the the value of kind of seeing the entire season through. Um, you know, some guys get off to a, and this happens every year. You get some guys that from the beginning of December, December or September to late November, um, they make huge strides. So again, you have to be patient with your process. That's why we don't send all our invites out at the beginning, big beginning of November, because we know those guys will improve. And we saw that a lot this year. How important is bowl season in the scouting world? Um, you know, where it's valuable is just some of the matchups, you know, some of the individual matchups, whether it be a left tackle against a pass rusher or a wide receiver corner. Um, I think where it's, you know, where it's being impacted right now is that the games outside of the college football playoff. I think we're seeing more and more players opt out of bowl games. I know that that fans don't love that. And I understand it. I was a traditionalist. I grew up like you probably did watching bowl games with your, with your dad on the, you know, on the couch as a young kid. So I'm not really used to it either. I know going back to my time in Seattle um, before I took this job, it was the year Christian McCaffrey was the first player to opt out of a bowl game. And we were, I mean, we were, there were some harsh words being said about Christian McCaffrey in that draft room. Like, who does this guy think he is? Um, It's just becoming more commonplace. And I'll say this for, for the, for the fan that is upset that their, their guys aren't playing in the bowl game. I always think to try to think of things where it was my son or my brother um, that had gotten to this point in his career. He'd worked his tail off and sacrificed. And now it's either a bowl game or like the senior bowl, for example, Mm -hmm. if you're not playing for a championship and it's going to be, say, your 55th game for your college team, um, you got to weigh that against being at a senior bowl or another all-star game and being in front of like in our game's case, like over 900 credentialed NFL people. Um, and all the decision makers. This is a huge job interview. These are the men that are going to decide their fate for the rest of their lives. So like, what's the, what's the value and maybe the risk reward of playing in a bowl game, potentially Mm -hmm. getting hurt, missing out on the opportunity to be in front of your future employers or playing in the game. So I think I understand the fan standpoint, but I think when you try to see it through the lens of if this were my brother or this were my son, um, I think it changes a little bit. So I think it, it has hurt um, the bowl games a little bit in terms of getting that top tier talent playing in those games. In I feel like in the beginning, and you mentioned Christian McCaffrey is the guy who kind of was one of the first to do this. Um, there was talk about whether or not it would impact the way teams looked at them, right? And I always felt that that's always a conversation when somebody turns down a senior bowl invite too. You know, there, there are people who feel like, if there's a game and you're invited and you should show up and you should show that what you can do against that level of talent. And, and then there are people that understand the whole, you know, approaching it, like, uh, from a protective standpoint, a profession, because an injury can happen is it, do you feel like the people in the league have started to look at the people who say no to these things differently has, has the, um, opinion about people opting out of some of this postseason stuff, has that changed over the years? Or do you think that there's still a faction of people that, that don't like to see people say no to stuff like that? I, I think that when, when it comes to the bowl games, it's certainly softened. Lindsay, I think people understand the business aspect of it. Um, and this is more of a business decision for the players. Like I said, with Christian, we were, we were pretty hard on Christian that draft cycle. Um, I think the next level is we still haven't had a player opt out of the college football playoff. I think that's going to be interesting when the first, it's going to happen inevitably. 
there's going to be someone opt out of the playoff. And then how our team is going to look at that. This player opted out of an opportunity to win a championship with his team. Um, that will be interesting. That one will be interesting um, when it comes to opting out of all-star games or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's again, I'm not crazy to think like, let's say for example, this year with Aiden Hutchinson, um, you know, he's got a senior bowl invite. We'd love Aiden to come down here because again, I think he's competing in that top 10 area, which there's millions and millions of dollars basically with every single draft slot. Right. Um, so he's not only competing against the players at defensive end, um, he's also competing with the top wideouts and quarterbacks. So um, I think there's value for Aiden to come down here, but where he's at probably in that top five now, like I'm not going to get Chris Hutchinson on the phone and, you know, berate him if, if Aiden doesn't decide to play. Like I, I get that part of it, but I really outside the top 10, I do think our game makes sense just for about, for about every single player because up there at the top, there is so much money involved with each pick that it makes sense to come down here and try to try to beat that next guy out. Well, and like you said, it's, it's the access to the people too. It's everyone's there all week long. You run into, you know, a Mike Tomlin or a Bill Belichick or whatever in the hotel lobby and get a chance to just say a few words and make an impression. Can't hurt. Uh, From a bowl game standpoint, what is the best bowl game this year like if I was to circle one on my calendar and I'm just looking for draft purposes and from the NFL where am I going to get the most bang for my buck I would say the entire college football playoff those two semifinal games are are pretty loaded Um, Alabama so not so much like senior class which we're more we're more you know keenly attuned to Um, like from Alabama we have Brian Robinson the running back in Federian Mathis their defensive tackle so two really good players for Alabama but then you go down in the in the underclassmen with Jamison Williams, the wide receiver. I mean, he's going to be a first round pick. There's some real talent there. You flip it to Cincinnati side. I tell people down here in, in the Alabama market where we're at, um, this isn't a rollover game. Like, don't think you're just going to you know come out there and beat up on the Cincinnati team um, by two they, touchdowns. By two touchdowns, they have six players committed to the Senior Bowl, um, all strongly draftable players. They've got two more juniors that after the game, if they decide to declare, they will be senior bowl eligible. They've got another junior sauce Gardner who could be a first round pick at corner. Um, You know, if he comes out, that's probably nine draftable players off a Cincinnati team. So this isn't like a fluky group of five great season. I mean, this is a legitimately NFL stocked roster. Um, So that's going to be a competitive game. And then you flip to the Michigan side, you've got high end guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Hassan Haskins, the running back who's really carried them offensively, who is a senior bowl guy. And then Georgia's got eight, eight senior bowl guys already committed. Um, we're waiting on Jordan Davis, the nose tackle. That could be nine. And then there's, there's a bunch of underclassmen as well that, that could declare. So um, that college football playoff is kind of a preview for this year's draft. You mentioned Hutchinson. We've talked about him a few times here. We are going to see the other edge rusher came on Thibodeau in the orange bowl. What do you see as the differentiators between the two of them? How, how will they differentiate themselves from here on out? Yeah. Um, in terms of their tape or from here on out, I mean, I think on the tape, they're a little bit different. Aiden's asked to do some more things in Michigan's defense, which again, it was the coordinator change. You're seeing him do a lot more in this year's tape than last year's tape. And really the difference for Aiden and why you've seen him kind of skyrocket this year and become kind of the face and the name of the draft process is the production. Um, I really, I think it's very similar to, to, uh, to uh, Chris Long when he was at Virginia. 
his last year, his first two years at Virginia, I, I want to say he had like six sacks. And then his junior, he had 14 or 14 and a half. Similar to Aiden, Aiden came into the year with four and a half sacks and now he's at 14 or 15, whatever Aiden's at. So I think they're similar. Um, I think with, with Kayvon, he's more of a, a, just a pure edge player, whereas Aiden moves around a little more, probably a little more athletic than, than Thibodeau. Um, and the difference is I think Aiden's played against better competition. I think that's, I think that's the differentiator when you see like who's blocking him in the big 10 and what he's going to have to go against up here in the college football playoff. There's probably a little, a little higher level of competition than Kayvon's faced in the pac 12. Um, and then from here on out, it's going to be, you know, the testing process and the interview process, which I think both of those guys will do well in. Will that be a matter of, because those are the two names that I keep saying at the top of mock drafts, right? One, two in various orders. Um, will it depend on who the team is that's picking, you know, is it like this guy is a better fit here versus there, or just kind of who, you know, when you put them next to each other, how teams differently grade them, I suppose, as like who they decide is better. Yeah. I do think Kayvon's more of a four, three player. I think he's more of a four, three defensive end. Whereas Aiden, I think offers a little more 34 flexibility because I do think Aiden's athletic enough to be an outside linebacker in a, in a three, four scheme. Um, you know, similar to like a JJ Watt. I remember, uh, when I scouted JJ for the chiefs back when he came out of Wisconsin, he was a 280, 290 pound guy, whatever he was at Wisconsin. But I, I wrote him up as an outside linebacker for our three, four scheme, because I felt like he was more than, more than athletic enough to do that. I think Aiden's going to be seen similarly um, in terms of, you know, he's not quite as big as JJ was. I think he's probably 10, 15 pounds lighter, but for a big man, he's more than athletic enough to play in that. So I think that's going to be the difference. I think, you know, Aiden's probably going to be open to all 32 teams where Kayvon might just be more of a four, three guy. Where will we find the best wide receivers in bowl games? Oh, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, it, in the, in the Rose bowl, it, it looked like it was going to be, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for Ohio State with Garrett Wilson opting out. I think Chris Olave is going to play in that game. Um, I would have said that game, but uh, you go to the, you go to the Alabama side. I thought that was going to be great. And then John Mechie gets hurt. Um, so you got Jamison Williams on one side, but I'll say one, one guy to keep an eye on for Cincinnati is a guy named Alec Pierce, um, a receiver for Cincinnati really had a breakout year for them. Um, Desmond Ritter is kind of his go-to guy, 6'3", 215 pounds. He's going to run the four fours. Both parents were division one athletes. He's, he's a guy that we do have coming to mobile um, has been a big time playmaker for them. So if you're just looking at wide out help, I think all of these games, you know, I think Georgia's got some really good young ones that aren't really so much eligible for this year's draft. Um, but I would say the college football playoff really for all these positions, but wide out is another good spot for those guys. Is there a game outside the college football playoff that you have circled as you know, maybe not being as competitive from a college football standpoint, but there's just lots of talent there from a draft standpoint. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, the Sugar Bowl with uh, Ole Miss and Baylor is a really interesting one just because Baylor's got a lot of guys for this year's draft. Um, Ole Miss, not as much. Ole Miss has gotten a lot done with some of their younger guys. But of course, on that side of the ball, you have Matt Corral, a quarterback. So um, of this quarterback group, he is uh, He's as fun to watch as, as any of these quarterbacks in this class in terms of just his ability to run around and make scramble plays and um, really fun player to watch. And then, you know, on Baylor, I mean, they've got some players on defense, Jalen Petrie, their safety, Terrell Bernard, their linebacker. We're talking day two type players, second, third round type guys, um, but are going to be really good pros. If you're an NFL fan, you're going to know the name Jalen Petrie. You're going to know Terrell Bernard. Um, 
you know, so those, I think that's a great matchup in New Orleans. Is there a position group where you more than other positions need to see them in a controlled environment, like the senior bowl, where when you're watching the tape, I mean, you probably less so, well, maybe even still because they're asked to do something specific schematically or whatever, and you want to put them up against, or the level of talent competition isn't as good. And so you just don't know what to make of what you're seeing. I feel like we always talk about that every year at senior bowl, uh, the ones versus ones that they're going up against the other best people in the country. And so you kind of get a better idea of like where they stack up. And I would say quarterback just for arm strength purposes. Um, I think it's, it's really hard. It's more difficult to gauge arm strength off tape than in person. I think that's big for that group. Um, But I really think wide receivers down here is, you know, in an all-star setting is big because it is in terms of all the positions, maybe now it's the, it's the elite. It's more of like the apples to oranges because they're not doing, being asked to do a lot of the same things they're asked to do at the pro level, like get off press coverage, um, run the whole route tree, which in a lot of schools you don't see at all. I mean, there's certain receivers in this year's draft and you put on their college tape and they really run about three different routes. Um, so I think, I think wide receivers absolutely critical for, for an all-star game setting. That's interesting. I was thinking it might be like offensive line or something like that going up against an edge rusher that, you know, and, and you have a better idea. That's interesting. I didn't expect no. you to say quarterback or wide receiver. No, and, and offensive line is big. Again, if you look at this year's offensive line group for our game, um, for instance, a lot of small school players. I mean, the helmets down here, people won't even recognize some of these helmets. You've got like, you know, Southern Utah in North Dakota and Northern Iowa and Fordham. Um, it's unbelievable. Some of the small school guys and they, yeah, they're, they're going to be tested where you never see them get tested before. And again, that's another good one because a lot of college offensive linemen don't even put their hand on the ground anymore. They're playing out of two point stances. So, so again, this is a, the first time for them to actually come down, put their hand in the dirt and come off the ball and try to block somebody. So um, I think there's takeaways from all the positions, but yeah, I think offensive lines, another good one. Uh, we'll find out who's this year's Quinn Miners. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple, I think, Really, there's a guy, Trevor Penning, in this year's draft from Northern Iowa. And I think if you're even a casual draft observer at this point, you probably heard Trevor's name. Um, we had his bookend tackle, Spencer Brown, in last year's game. And Spencer was playing great for the Buffalo Bills right now as a, as a third-round pick. Uh, but I think Trevor's probably starting this process higher. I think right now he's probably a late one, early two. When we went up to Northern Iowa to give Trevor his invite, I told him, I, I, I brought up Eric Fisher I know you were probably at that senior bowl where Eric Fisher came down here from central Michigan is a late one early two and ended up being the number one overall pick. I, I don't, I don't know if Trevor's going to get that high, but I think when teams see him block real future NFL people down in and down out, I think he has the chance to, you know, maybe get in that top 15 top 10 area because he is, you put on Northern Iowa tape and he is a completely dominant football player. I love we're like scratching the surface of some of these uh, college teams that are not necessarily on national television every weekend. Um, If I am say the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know that I want my team to draft an offensive lineman, you've mentioned some of the names already. Are there any other bowl games that I should be focusing on specifically uh, looking for talent in that area? And then, and then making myself be disciplined enough to actually watch the offensive line. <laughs> well, Georgia's Georgia has a couple on their left side. If you're watching this Georgia, Michigan game, um, Justin Schaefer, their left guard um, is, is a, is a really good player. Um, trying to think of who else. I love how you can just rattle off all of these names, by the way, like this is, I mean, I know this is the, the space that you live in 
365, but this is impressive. If people could see you sitting there with absolutely no notes in front of you, I've got notes everywhere in front of me and I still don't know where to go with any of it. <laughs> so Schaefer and then their left tackle, tackle Jamari Salyer. Um, if you just focus on that left side of the George offensive line is a good one. Um, that's probably where I, I think if you're just going to watch that game, you're going to be really teased by some of the skilled players because Georgia has great backs and, and, you know, like James Cook, who's Dalvin's old brother is going to be in that game. He's coming to the senior bowl. Zamir White, their other running backs going to be draft eligible. Uh, but really that left side of the line, Salyer and Schaefer uh, would be a good place to start. What about DBs? Oh, in the bowl system, um, trying to think of some of these games right now, a lot of, you know, a lot of the DBs have opted out, you know, a lot of the, a lot of uh, the upper echelon DBs in this draft have opted out of their bowl games. So that's a tough one. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a tough one in terms of high end DB, you know, that position group. I mean, those guys usually uh, want to take care of themselves. What are you so saying, Jim? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to see a lot of those guys um, in the, in the, in these bowl games this year. Oh man. But I All think right. you will see, I brought up Jalen Petrie's name earlier and I, you know, he's really a fun player to watch. He's, he's uh, I don't want to pin the honey badger title on him or Buda Baker, but he is an undersized kind of, they play him off on the edge for Baylor. They blitz him a ton and he's just really an urgent kind of fast player. Um, so he's a fun guy to watch. So Jalen Petrie is one that just kind of pops right now that if you're watching that Baylor Ole Miss matchup is, is the guy that it focuses on. You compare anyone to Tyron Matthew and you've sold me. Okay. Yeah, you know, there, that's unfair because Tyron is one of those guys that he's really a, a hard player to count to anyone because the ball has always kind of found him no matter where he's played and he's really unique. But in terms of just a guy that moves around and kind of a Swiss army knife and you can play him in a lot of places and he makes plays in a lot of different places, um, there's a similarity there. Are there any players that have popped up this year who you feel like you have fallen in love with maybe more than you're seeing elsewhere? Um, I would start at Florida, the running back, Damian Pierce. Um, I don't know if you caught this Lindsay or not. I think you would love this. He, they get, so they get beat in the bowl game by UCF, which, which wasn't a, a, a great look for the university of Florida losing to an in-state, you know, group of five school. Damian Pierce goes up into the crowd after the game and shakes the hands of the band, the Florida band members. I've what? never seen it. No. It was like the coolest gesture ever. It went not, it went crazy on social media, but I think, uh, you know, so that kind of speaks to who Damian Pierce is as a person, but as a player, the guy only had about 80 carries this year. And when you put on the tape, he looks like a starting NFL running back. Um, he just, he runs with power. It's hard to get him on the ground. Um, we had a guy in last year's senior bowl, Chris Evans from Michigan, who only had 17 carries as a senior at Michigan. And everyone thought we were crazy for inviting him to the senior bowl and he had a great week and the Bengals took him in the sixth and he's had a couple of really nice games for the Bengals this year as a rookie. I think Damian Pierce will be a similar guy. Just not a lot of college production, but if in two or three years from now, you're an NFL fan and he's your starting running back, I would not be surprised at all. I think Damian's a really good player. I feel like we've seen all of the running backs in the NFL this year. It's just been that kind of year from an injury standpoint or whatever. We are digging like deep into the the bag of tricks there. Um, how do you, how do you decide if somebody does have limited reps, limited amount of playing time? How do you decide that what you're seeing is special enough? Cause it's, I mean, so I used to be very much in the NFL space about maybe a decade ago. And then I went hard in NFL and I stopped paying attention as closely to college. And when I watch college after watching mostly NFL, it strikes me how, uh, 
how different it is just the game as a whole, right? Like you'll see guys that are wide open in a way that that would never happen in the NFL unless it was a completely blown play, but you see it a little bit more frequently in college. I think it makes it harder. I would imagine to scout what will transition. And then if you have a limited window, like 17 snaps or something like that, how do you know what is popping in the way that it will then also work in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's the key to, to the evaluation is seeing what's transferable. I think, uh, you know, there's a big difference between being a good college player and a good pro prospect. You know, I, I sometimes in my job, I've, I find myself in a lot of conversations with coaches and even parents, for that matter, have called their office asking about why didn't their son or their player get a senior bowl invite. And a lot of it goes back to that very good college player. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but just maybe not the transferable skill you're talking about beating a, a good pro prospect. And I think the thing that helps guys like Chris Evans and maybe a Damian Pierce this year is just technology. Bottom line, when I got into scouting, you would have had to go through game and game and game of film of just fast forwarding to try to find reps. Now it's so easily sortable that you can, you know, you click one button and there's Chris Evans, 17 carries. And there's, you know, there's the 30 catches he had as an underclassman. So it's just, it's made scouting. Scouting is so much more easier, so much easier now than it was, you know, even 10, 15 years ago because of the sortable aspect. So it's, it's really hard for those guys to slip through the cracks because it, it's, it's all at your fingertips. What are the differences between uh, what makes a skill transferable versus not? I realize it's different for every single position. Let's say at a wide receiver, if you're a really good wide receiver in college, but it's not going to transfer to the NFL, what would that thing be that's missing? It's usually height, weight, speed, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And that's what it, it comes down to it. It's usually something genetic. Um, I got the, I got asked this years ago at a, at a school, I think it was at Troy university. I went up there to speak to the team. And one of the guys that did a little Q and a and the player raised his hand. He's like, you know, what do you look for? It was kind of a big picture. And I'm like, guys, I can walk on your practice field and I could basically tell you to a man, which one of you guys are going to get a shot in the NFL, not maybe play, but just based off your body type, really? I can tell you which one of you guys will, some team will call you and at least want you in your camp. It really is a height, weight, speed league. So you might have a, a, a receiver that is five foot 10, 170 pounds and runs four, six or four, seven, and is a great college player. But again, those skills, because of the limited, um, you know, measurables, if you will, the physical tools kind of taps that player out. Whereas you might have a guy that's six, three, 210 pounds and runs four, four, that might not have the same college resume, but he has all that other stuff and teams are going to be you know, see him as more of a developmental prospect and has a higher ceiling. So that's, that's really what it boils down to is just being a height, weight, speed league. Has that height, weight, speed stuff changed at the quarterback position in recent years? Cause I feel like it used to be, we're looking for a prototype from a size standpoint. Now you're seeing like a, you know, Kyler Murray and it works. And so they can be shorter than they used to be. Uh, have, have any position groups changed in the last few years in terms of what is acceptable versus not? Yeah, Lindsay, that's a great one. Yeah. Quarterback for sure. I think we've, we've kind of moved the bar every year from six foot at Drew Brees and then down to Russell Wilson was five ten and five eighths. And now we're down to five ten even with Kyler Murray, we keep dropping that bar, which is a great thing. I think it speaks to, to one thing and that teams are more open-minded than they've ever been. I think we're seeing better coaching than we've probably ever seen at the NFL level. I think we're seeing 
a lot of things trickle up if there's such thing as trickling up. I think you're seeing a lot of a lot of pro teams reach down into college and pull concepts to to help these guys transition more quickly to the NFL. And I think the other the other positions where it's really helping is with what we used to call tweeners. Usually used to call like a tweener, strong safety, will linebacker. You know, you call him a tweener, you're almost you're almost discounting him. You're almost right. saying this guy this guy doesn't fit. And you know, like a like a Jalen Petrie who we just brought up, he's a tweener, but like now that's almost carrying a, a positive connotation rather than a negative one. I think coaches are doing a much better job of just finding good football players if they have some of the height, weight, speed stuff, um, and finding a place for those guys in that role. You know what? And it feels like we're seeing people, coaches use players in different ways than they have in the past. Like a Debo Samuel, who's effectively been used this year more as a running back than actually as a wide receiver this last week, they finally used him as a wide receiver, but in the weeks leading up to that, he was getting more rush attempts than, than targets is, is that changing the way that you scout knowing that these teams are starting to use these players more as athletes than specific uh, you know, wide receiver lines up out wide or in the slot, you know, there, there is a lot more interchangeability. It feels like. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up my guy Debo. That's why we, we put up the, uh, the poster of him. but no, and I, in th- his name comes up, Lindsay, when you talk to NFL teams, everyone's looking for the next Debo. So what it's, what it's, you know, forced us to do is when we evaluate the receiver position, run, you know, ball skill, you know, ability to what they do with the ball in their hands and run skills. And some of that hybrid running back skill set is something that we really value now. So uh, for instance, a guy in this year's class, Bayless Jones from Tennessee, he's a receiver. He's a very good returner. Um, He averaged over 16 a punt this year at Tennessee. Um, You know, he's a guy that before the season started, um, Bayless is a hometown mobile guy, like, but he probably wouldn't have been. And I was honest with Bayless when we invited him, like, a year ago, you probably wouldn't have been in the game. One, he took a nice jump. Um, but two, the league's looking for guys like that. They're looking for guys that, you know, are strong and powerful and, and good with the ball in their hands. So, yeah, it's certainly changed the way we look at what we're doing. We, you know, we're, all our job is, is to get players the NFL wants. And right now, the NFL, everyone wants to find the next Debo Samuel. So, yeah, you're seeing different things stressed at different position groups. What is the, uh, what does the process look like? You have various people who work as scouts for the senior bowl that go to different games, right? And then do you meet back, compare notes on a Monday? How does the whole process go? Yeah, so we'll start off in February. We'll give our in-house guys, we've got three young guys that we're training to move on to the NFL and uh, we'll give them a couple weeks off to recharge the batteries. Um, and they'll, they'll get on 2023 here in, in about a month and a half. And then once we get through this year's draft, I'll jump in in May, June, July, August and get caught up. Um, and then we, we go year to year with our scouting staff. We've, we've hired a group of guys every year that somehow find themselves, you know, not with a team anymore. And that happens in the NFL, right? I mean, you lose enough games and you could be the best scout there is, but if you're a part of a regime change, you might get squeezed out. Um, so this year we had seven full-time area scouts on the road that had 120 years of NFL experience. Like you said, they were at games every weekend and we do, we just, we compare notes every week. We're on the phone constantly. We do a couple of big Zoom calls, um, you know, in the middle of the fall and at the end of the fall, kind of going over the board. And, you know, we have cross checks built in. So if two guys saw the same player, kind of work through those differences um, and just trying to run this thing as close to an NFL operation as we possibly can. We obviously don't have the same budget that the teams do, uh, but just from a procedure standpoint, we're trying to do you know, really the same thing. 
How often does that moment happen like it does in the movies where like the scout picks up the phone while he's watching someone that he knows you haven't seen and he's like, boss, I found him. <laughs> this is the guy. I don't know if it's that dramatic, but uh, it certainly ha it certainly happens. You know, guys will, you know, they'll video, they'll, they'll take video during pregame, which we've kind of built our social media around over the last four years from pregame stuff. What do you see and in pregame? What's it? Um, we'll get right up on the drills. So when the guys are doing their pregame drills, like say it's a, a defensive back doing some pedal drills and some, you know, breaking on the ball and catching the football, we really tell our guys to get right up on these guys. So we're trying to bring the fan down to the field. So not only do they see the movement up close, but they also see the body type up close because that's really such a key part of the evaluation that you don't get from watching TV or even watching tape for that matter. So we do, we, we try to bring people down on the field every Saturday with us. And yeah, we get, I get plenty of texts on Saturdays. Like, Hey man, this guy is, uh, he's better than I thought he was going to be. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot. And that's fun. I mean, that's the fun part of this job yeah. is that I do miss a lot of things about working in the NFL, but being a part of a group that we have here and with these guys that uh, guys and, and, and women um, mm -hmm. that I've known a long time. We had Kathleen Wood on our staff two years ago, and now she's a full-time area scout for the Cleveland Browns. Shout out to Kathleen. Um, she's doing great stuff, but just getting those phone calls, it's so much fun when guys feel like they've kind of found somebody. Well, and you guys do such a great job. Senior Bowl, I've said it 800 million times, is one of my favorite weeks of the year. And this year, it is the first week of February with the game culminating, uh, the week culminating in the game on February 5th. Um, tell us what we need to know about that week and what we can expect. Yeah, it's going to be, I appreciate you saying that, Lindsay. I remember, so before I took this role, I remember seeing you down here all the time. Um, no, it's a great week and we've really tried to add to it. Um, we have a really cool senior bowl summit event this year that Kirk Herb Street is hosting kind of a panel style event. We've got like Nick Saban, Brian Harson from Auburn, Steve Sarkeesian, um, Jay, uh, James Franklin, a host of great coaches, uh, Joey Molinaro, the great impressionist um, who does the Ed Ogeron and the Nick, he's yes. going to come be a special guest at that. And then we've got a Players Mardi Gras parade on Friday that we never had when you were down here. We have a downtown concert with a group uh, this year, Portugal, the man is playing our downtown concert. We got like 20,000 people downtown a couple of years ago for that pre COVID. So we're bringing that back. And then out at the new stadium, uh, we're at Hancock Whitney stadium out at the campus of South Alabama, incredible new venue, um, and we couldn't, we couldn't fill it last year because of COVID we were at a quarter capacity. So we're looking forward to a sellout this year and just tailgating. It's going to feel like a real football college football Saturday. Um, so we're really excited to finally to pack it in. Well, I can't recommend enough that if you are anywhere near the area or able to fly to the area for this game for the week, frankly, because it's not just the game for me, it's the whole week, the practices for me are more fun even than the game. I love watching these guys um, and the, the, the one ones versus ones and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, it's obviously uh, everybody in the NFL is down there all week. So if you're a draft dork or an NFL <laughs> dork, like I am, and like, I assume you are, if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> then I can't recommend enough that you go, Jim, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate this. Yeah, Lindsay, it was great hopping on again. Thank you, and uh, Happy New Year. Hi, everyone. This is Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback Doug Flutie. I'm excited to tell you that my podcast, the Flutie Flakes cast, is back for the entire football season. I may have played like 21 years of professional football in three different leagues, but I'm still just a big kid, and I absolutely love this game. 
Every week, we'll talk about the topics I care about and bring on super fun guests. So please subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. that was helpful I know it was for me and that Twitter account that he mentioned with the videos on the field if you want to check it out it is at senior bowl Jim's account is Jim Nagy underscore SB and you'll be able to get great draft content there all the way up to the start of the first round on April 28th in the meantime we will be back here on Friday with a look at the NFL games coming up this weekend all on Sunday and Monday this week it's a condensed slate no Thursday no Saturday there are nine games in the early window on Sunday and five games in the afternoon that's going to make for a really fun pace on red zone and fantasy zone the latter which I will be on all day Sunday on DirecTV's channel 704 we're going to take you through the games there red zone style with a fantasy perspective. And that's exactly what our Friday pod episode will focus on also. The best fantasy plays of the week. If you're lucky enough to be in a championship in your season-long leagues, as I am in one of my leagues, I wasn't able to pull it out against Aditi Kinkabala on Monday. Jalen Waddle just too much. So congratulations to her and Amber Theo Harris for making the final in that Tara Deeker Memorial Fantasy League. And good luck, but not really to Mike Dempsey, who I will be facing in the Sports Illustrated League final. Here's the thing, though. If you did not make a final in your season-long league, the season doesn't have to be over for you from a fantasy standpoint. You can still do a daily lineup, and you don't even have to put that much money on it. You could do like a $3 double-up, if that's what floats your boat, just to have some stake in the game. It's a really fun format. If you haven't tried it out, I highly recommend it. And Friday's pod will help you put together a lineup for that. So I hope that you will join us then. If you enjoyed today's episode and you do want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL Roadshow is also available on the SXM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. For video clips of the show and more, follow me on Twitter, Lindsay underscore Rhodes. I'm also on Instagram at Lindsay Rhodes NFL. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Andrew Immer. Cliff Augustin produced today's episode, and a special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening. Sirius XM Podcasts.